right, well, greetings, everybody. Welcome once again to the Rec Poker Podcast. Sponsors, as always, by Running Aces Racetrack Casino and Hotel and website AMP. We got our chats edition tonight, and this is actually one of my favorite uh, favorite episodes where we just chat about the seminar. And the reason it's one of my favorites is because I love the guests. I love uh, digging in. I love asking them all kinds of questions. But I feel like we don't get a chance as a group to talk as much. And uh, so this is more of an opportunity to kind of hang out with the group, hang out with the posse, uh, and kind of hear what's happening. So I'm excited about that. Uh, before we do that, let's uh, introduce the panel. My name is Steve Fredland. I go by Rec Poker Steve and the Poker Stars home game. And I got another Albert Einstein quote for you. Uh, and it, it, it really uh, presses in nicely to the seminars. Tell me and I forget. Teach me and I may remember. Involve me and I learn. And I'm Chris Jones. I'm five by five on Poker Stars and Twitter. And uh, someday I'm going to convince the whole world that there is, in fact, the best hand in poker. <laughs> <laughs> well, my name's Jim Reed, Bluffstreeny in the home game at Hold'em underscore Steelers on Twitter. And I'm here to say that all work and no poker makes Jim a dull boy. We've got to find more time to play poker so far. And I'm John Somsky, Poker Geek MN everywhere. And I have a quote from the late great Chip Reese. I had a choice. I had to make a choice between being a lawyer or a professional gambler. I chose the more honorable of the two. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Rob Washam, and I'm Radman Fifty everywhere. And I, I don't think Chris is ever going to convince me that there's a best hand in poker. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. And, and I'm not sure Jim can ever convince me that that's the reason he's dull. Is that? <laughs> I'm not sure about that either, but all right. Uh, before we jump into the seminar, guys, a couple quick things. I know uh, this is being broadcast right after our Recce's award show. Uh, so I want to break it down. I want to talk about the winners. I want to talk about all that stuff. But unfortunately, uh, there's only two of us here that know who won stuff. And so we got to keep this a surprise for all you guys. And uh, trust me when I'm saying this, that it was really fun. <laughs> so <laughs> it was really fun, you guys. Uh, I'll maybe eat those words, but I don't think so. Uh, but the other thing I want to announce is that this is being released on, uh, I believe, the second of the Tuesday. Uh, and tomorrow, then, if you're listening to this the same day, is when we actually start our free JAT and training course. So February 3rd, Wednesdays and Fridays, you can still jump in there. Uh, five weeks of two sessions a week, two hours a time. And if you haven't heard, uh, joining Fareed for at least three of the sessions will be 2014 World Series of Poker main event champion, Martin Jacobson, who won a cool $10, $10 million uh, in that tournament. So uh, it should be fun. Fareed is fantastic, a top five GPI player. Obviously, we get a chance to kind of see his style, interact with him. He's very engaging. But now you layer on Martin Jacobson, you layer on a bunch of the folks like us who have signed up. Uh, we're just going to have a good time learning the game. Uh, it should be a real fun time. So if you have any questions about how to sign up, uh, go to rec.poker slash Fareed, F-A-R-I-D, or just reach out to me, Steve at rec.poker. So uh, with that, guys, how we doing? <laughs> well, I'm excited. One thing I got to add to that is that we're also doing the Rec Poker Learning Together package. So, um, for a fraction of the course of the actual, for the fraction of the price of the Fareed course, um, you can actually either add on this study package or you can just do the study package on its own, where various members of the panel, uh, along with Steve or I, or however it works out, we're going to be hosting um, like a study hour after each of these sessions where we all get to kind of unpack it a little bit 
and uh, you know, chat amongst ourselves. Everyone will be up on the screen in the panel like this. And then we're also going to do a weekly study group um, a few days away from the uh, material so that we've had some time to absorb it and we can have another chance to get back into that. So that's going to be really great. And so it's, it's basically, it's a, it's a 20 hour course from Freed and then we're adding uh, 15 hours of study, extra study material to it. So if you're interested in that, the, the link is in the same place as the course. So go check that out. It's going to be I know awesome. Chris Jones doesn't have enough to do, so we got to try to <laughs> pile it on a little bit more for that. <laughs> well, guys, I think the, uh, you know, we'll do the community stuff later, talk about the home games, all that stuff. But the, the real focus today is the seminar, the, the seminar that we ran for January, uh, tells and reads. And so I think uh, the idea here is to give you guys a flavor for what happens in these seminars. I know we've got all the thousands of people that listen to the podcast, but not all of you are members at Rec.Poker. So we want to give you a little flavor. Don't want you to miss out. We want you to get a little bit of the, the information that came through the seminar, but also uh, tease it out a little bit, kind of let you know what's going on inside the site. So I don't know if Chris, if you're the one to, to lead us there and kind of. Sure. Yeah. It, I mean, it was, you know, this was, this was actually, uh, so like disclaimer, this was the seminar, you know, we've now done a full year of these, which is great. We've got 12 under our belt. Uh, we've had some really great topics. This was the seminar I think I was the most kind of nervous about because I was like, it's kind of a murky topic. It's kind of, I don't, you know, I'm not sure if this is going to translate as well, but uh, it was a really great conversation. So first of all, we had Zach Elwood join us yes. um, and he led us through thinking about some things and we'll probably talk about some of those things and kind of reviewing it. Uh, and then we took what we learned from that. And then what, what I did was I went and found two uh, tournaments that we could watch. And if you've never done this kind of thing before, it, it was a, uh, it was really illustrative. We went and we first watched in the first part, we watched uh, a charity tournament where people were drinking. It was loosey goosey. There were uh, probably people there who don't play poker very often uh, and really looked at sort of their behaviors and the choices they were making at the table and how they held themselves and how, you know, when they had a strong hand, what, what, what kind of things they, they sort of like did. Um, and then the next part we went and we looked at an $1,100 MSPT final table, uh, seven of which at that table were what I would call, you know, like the elite Midwest killers. It was a, it was a, it was just a decked table. <laughs> um, and so we looked at those two in comparison and like just, just that, just watching people. Uh, I mean, we commented during it, like this is, this doesn't seem even like the same game really mm -hmm. that people are playing, but watching the way people react to it. And you could even in the $1,100 one start to see some, Oh yeah, maybe, maybe you, I think that person might be doing a few things there that, um, there might be conveying a little bit of information. So it was, it was a, it was a really good conversation. Yeah. I think in the first tournament, probably over half of the people had a, a favorite hand. Whereas in the second tournament, I think they all were smart enough not to. <laughs> were they all pocket five? I think, <laughs> I think in the first tournament, everyone had their favorite hand was any two cards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was the way like I was really struck at just the the approach that was I think the people in the charity tournament were were just they had different goals for their time there. Like that was the most clear part of it. Uh, they weren't trying to just I mean, some of them even might have been trying to disguise their tells, but they weren't thinking about like what tells are important or, you know, what other people were actually paying attention to. Um, 
and there was a there was a w- w- on the pro side there was a real discipline a sort of a mindset change you could just tell that they were serious about it. and now and it didn't look like as fun a table to be honest with you right yeah, like yeah, it, yeah. It, they, they weren't having as much fun there's yeah. definitely a trade-off there it's weird in 1100 tournaments they don't splash pot uh the table <laughs> with 12 packs of beer Six you know like beer. I mean, that's just weird it's weird you know like you never see that happen really <laughs> so so how long so so talk about so how much of the the coverage did you guys actually watch and go through and then is that all available as part of the the video archive as well, or was some of that cut out? Or yeah, we we watched. Uh, so the in the first part with Zach, we really we talked a lot about uh, some of the conventional wisdoms that go about tells like strong means weak and weak means strong. But we really teased that out a little. I think we talked with him a lot about how that's you know something to sort of maybe keep in your mind, but it's not necessarily like uh this hard and fast rule in Mm -hmm. fact one of the things that we talked about was there's there's some degree of like intentionality in there or like what are people's intentions like if it's unintentionally strong then it might just be strong right Right. but if it's intent if they're looking intentionally strong if they're looking like staring you down or doing that that might be a little bit of weakness or something so there's like these sort of different gradations of of like not just reading every action as somebody who oh they're they look really strong so they must be weak um so anyway we broke that down and that was about i would say a 45 minute conversation and then we took probably around 45, 50 minutes with each of the tables and really looked at them uh, go, th- get, they went through several orbits where we watched uh, some, some sort of uh, play develop. And it, it was, it was, it was a really, uh, I mean, I learned a lot. I learned a lot mm. just uh, listening to Zach. And then, you know, I, I, I kind of went in thinking we're going to learn the most from this charity tournament. What we're going to learn from the MSPT is that you can't read players like this, but mm-hmm. uh, I think there were some spots where, there was some information being conveyed. So, so yeah, is that, is that yeah, it would, well, yeah, I'm so intrigued. Like, so, I mean, how much of that, like sometimes, you know, you, you see the cards and then you're like, then you watch the behavior and you're going, Oh, yep. See, they're doing that. Do you do feel like though, even if you hadn't seen the cards, you'd feel the same way, well, like you're picking up on things. Yeah. And I mean, I guess that's one of the things that Zach talks about is that, that, you know, like what you're looking for primarily are sort of, divergences from like standard behaviors like okay so Mm -hmm. sometimes they slide their chips in you know very gently and then like this time they're like slamming it down on the table and what was really helpful in that is if you can get some confirmation okay when they slam it down on the table they're really weak right so it's very helpful when you're watching a table and you can get that confirmation on every hand right So, so that now you can start to like so i'm not sure that uh like some the some of the things we were seeing there that I would necessarily have picked up live at, at the table, but because I could see every whole card, you can start to pick some things up, and I can see why you know you, you hear about the sort of the really elite players uh, doing video scouting when you know like Fedor is on a TV table, then mm-hmm. you know Bonomo's watching it and sort of taking notes about him. And I can see why, why and how that happens because you start to get more of that confirmation as you're looking at it. I think there's a little bit too with when you're not in the moment. So you're not at the table, there's no pressure on you Mm -hmm. and we're just watching the tables. Even if we couldn't see the whole cards, 
I think it's a little bit easier in that situation. I know there are times when I am not part of a hand, everyone's actions and holdings and the whole hand just is much more clear than when I'm involved with it because there's none of my emotion. There's none of my thought process. I'm just kind of taking it more in. So um, I think there was a little bit of that as well. And actually, now that I'm remembering this too, the other thing that I think that every player out there, I think that we can all take away, we can all take like the number one tell that people give at even at the highest level, well, maybe not at the highest, highest level, but even at a, like a really high level, uh, people give away when they're going to fold, when they don't care about their hand. Mm. And if they're to your left and you can figure that out and and all it takes is glancing to your left a little ways. uh, Some of these players who, who are elite, you know, Midwest area, MSPT circuit uh, grinders, one multiple MSPT, those kinds of players, they're given away when they're folding before they do it. Um, You're talking about pre-flop pretty much. Pre-flop, pre-flop, yeah. Which you know, feel free to bring out names. You know that that's great. Watch the video. That's yeah. really yeah. valuable to you if you're if it you're is. in the cutoff. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you can see that the button is gonna fold. You're the button now, yes. and that's yes. a huge thing. And that's that's, that's what I was gonna ask you too, because it feels like I feel like human nature would be to like overstate the value of that. Like, say you have one person to your left that is clearly going to fold. Like, I think you know, I think there there might be a an over reaction by by a lot of recreational players be like okay well now this is a good opportunity to 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 go crazy but really what you're talking about is it sort of just should move your position one spot basically mm-hmm. or two spots if you think two people are going to fold right so you should probably use your your ranges as if like you said as if you're in the button now instead of the cutoff but not be like oh man now it's a huge opportunity I'm going to, you know, rip, you know, seven deuce in there or something. Right. Is that right, kind of what you're right, saying? Is, right. right. <laughs> I mean, well, and you can yeah. also use it for the blinds as well. If, if you get any indication that they're going to fold, then that's yeah. one less player you have to yeah. go get by. So it, it, it really is just, just like you can play a lot more hands on the button than you can from under the gun. If you know, everyone's going to fold, mm-hmm. then you've got the virtual button. I love yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course it works both ways too, because uh, if you look left and you see that that player is actually pretty interested in the hand, then they're mm-hmm. probably not going to fold. And maybe you should be condensing your opening range a little bit there as well. It definitely the later in position you are, the more important it is, uh, including the blinds. But I think it's really valuable. And I was surprised at how many of these uh, higher level players were really telegraphing their, their intention to fold. Well, I I think part of the reason is it doesn't hurt them for that particular hand, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think it still could in that if there's a, the players who are going to notice that tend to be the better players and you really don't want to give the better players any more excuse to pick up any more chips than they are already going to get. Yeah. So, um, I kind of look at it like an ethical thing. You're not supposed to telegraph your hand to other people and doing that. I mean, everyone does it. I've done it too. You you just do it by accident. It's human nature, but in general, you should try not to. And then you said, you know, yeah, I mean, it kind of, it hurt. It doesn't hurt them that hand maybe because they're going to fold anyway, but, but, you know, two hands later or whatever, when they, they show interest in the hand, that could keep me like Jim said, that could keep me from opening. So it does hurt them because they could have three bet my open or whatever. And so it does kind of hurt them that way, but maybe they probably never realize it. That's interesting. Yeah. I'm curious, Chris, did you have something else on that? 
Uh, and the other yeah. thing that that uh, we we talked about with with Zach, which is something I think that that um, that I, I and I make no, you know, I, I'm not a tells expert. It's not something that I'm I'm trying to like try to understand it a little better. It's not something I've typically been really on the lookout that much for i really try to play more like the cards and the math and the flop texture and that kind of thing versus like the staring into somebody's soul or whatever but <laughs> the thing that i think he really pointed out to to us and talked through is that um so much of uh we see in poker and actually i, I kind of i wrote something about this for us as well like so much of what we see uh in sort of popular culture and in in uh even poker on tv is somebody just staring into somebody's eyes like looking for them to crack or to break or to whatever and really what we're looking for are these differences in behaviors divergences from like you know it might be hand movements it might be you know leg twitches it might be uh you know br breathing kind of things it's not necessarily you're just going to like look at somebody's eye and they're going to start sweating and like oh god you got me you got me you got me <gasps> yeah right you know that's really not what we're looking for and i think if people could stop doing that we all save ourselves a lot of time at the table and instead maybe what we should be looking for are a lot of these other more subtle kind mm -hmm. of things and behaviors yeah, I was struck at how, I mean, I love talking to Zach about this stuff. Like, he is just so versed in this material. Like, what a get, uh, Chris, to get him on for the seminar. He's amazing. So even if all you want to do is just watch the first hour of us talking with Zach, like, that would be extremely valuable. Um, but I think one of the things that he kept saying was that, like, different people are going to have different responses to strong hands and to weak hands. So even if you are doing this, like, death stare and the guy cracks, like, well, what did he crack to display the value of his hand or the weakness of his hand? Like what, what was the cracking that occurred? Like you really do need to have a, a baseline that you can compare it to. Um, and, and further to that point, Chris, the, uh, the mechanics of the way people hold their cards and their chips, the way that they bet with the chips, the way that they hold their chips while they're considering betting, that was really interesting. I found that that even the players that are, they play mom poker, you know, they just sit there quiet and don't make a move. Um, uh, I, I thought you could tell there was like one guy who protected his cards differently, according to what kind of, we thought maybe, you know, if he has a pair, he puts them like this. If he has two high cards, he puts, puts them like this stuff like that. That was uh, uh, really, really interesting to me. Mm -hmm. Well, do you guys have the the mental capacity for for that? So, you know, we've talked about this before. This is my own shortcoming, and I just wonder if other people have the same thing. Like, I could even first of all, it's mental energy to be watching all that, which I think you know, is valuable. And then then you have to notice it and tuck it away, and then you have to be able to re remember it. And so, mm -hmm. what I found is like, okay, I might notice somebody like, ooh, they did that, ooh, they did that, and then like thirty minutes later, I'm like, okay, I knew they did that, but I don't remember what they actually had. You know, I mean, I can't retain it all. And then maybe you guys have that capacity, but I, I've sort of given up on that part because I just know even if I'm observing and spending all the energy, I don't really have the wherewithal to bring it back out later. I mean, I think what what we what you really want to boil it down to is like it's not necessarily that that strong means weak and weak means strong, but that if we can start to identify that when they're breathing heavily they're doing that with some kind of bluff or when they're breathing heavily, they're doing mm -hmm. that because they're strong. Like that's the kind of confirmation that you want to find. And then you can start to maybe go into some shorthand, like seat seven when weak, 
breathe, you know, breathe a lot or something <laughs> mm-hmm. like that, you know, and, and yeah. you, that's all you really need to know about them. And then, and then again, what Zach was talking about too, is that this doesn't then become just like, Right. wildfire you're just like you know looking for this player and you know taking advantage of them the whole time it's the decision maker when you're in a really tough grinder spot and it's like what am i do i don't know what am mm-hmm. I? and, and uh, you kind of use tells as the, the tiebreaker right yes, right. The tiebreaker when, when you have a couple of choices that and it could go either way that's what you basically use yeah. it for yeah and i yeah. think i think it's like anything go ahead rob I was just going to say, I think you just pay attention. And then when you get into those situations, you just have, have that feeling. It's you're not identifying one specific thing, but you're just, you just have that general feeling that he's either weak or strong because of all the observations you've made. You're not saying, Oh yeah, he's, he, he lifted his left pinky. That means something, you know, it's not specific like that. It's just a general feeling that you're going to get because you've been observing him the whole time. I mean, if you think about it, uh, humans have had to learn how to read each other. Um, now, previously, you know, so that we wouldn't go off and kill each other <laughs> when we met a stranger, right? So we're very attuned to reading facial expressions and everything from other people. So you can often, exactly as Rob said, you'll get a feeling for, you know, it just, I don't know why, but I don't think they're strong. And that's the kind of tell reading I do a lot of at the table when I'm playing live. It's just, I can't always put a finger on it and I'm not always right. Um, but uh, it seems like I'm right more often than I'm wrong or mm-hmm. it, it helps enough to make a difference. I yeah, and I me. think, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, because uh, it, I think Steve, you make a really good point that, you know, your, your mental bandwidth at the table is a resource that's not infinite either. And so you have to be kind of guarded with what you're spending your active brain time on. And, uh, you know, it's not going to be a good use of your time to be holding in your mind, you know, every tell of every player at every point in the right. game. I think there is an element of, like Chris said earlier, the most important thing is just finding a confirmation for it in the moment. And then I think kind of like what John's saying is just let, let your natural body, your natural mind incorporate that into your decision-making in the time. Um, because you're not really going to be able to like pull up your chart and say, Oh, in this player does this in this spot. Um, and I think that's uh, probably the people that are better at reading tells are you know, it's part experience. It's part intentionally tying the results to the displays that they can see and remember and like taking the time to go back through the hand now and say, Oh, okay. Now that I've seen their cards, what was the decision point on this street mm-hmm. that caused them that distress, you know? Um, and then just kind of naturally taking it from there. Cause there's, there's the one thing that we are pretty good at uh, relatively is telling when someone's comfortable or when they're not comfortable. And so I, Zach kept coming back to that as this, like what you're really trying to find out is, is this player comfortable or not? And mm-hmm. if they're not, there's a couple of reasons why they could be uncomfortable. And if they are, you know, there's a couple of reasons they could be comfortable, but mostly they're comfortable because they have a good hand or, or because they feel like they're going to win, <laughs> the mm-hmm. hand, which isn't always the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe they just made a really good bluff and they're very confident you're going to fold. <laughs> they could also be comfortable. But that was, that was one thing that, uh, figuring out like what do people look like when they're comfortable 
what do people look like when they're not comfortable and then kind of like using that in the moment to to make strategic decisions and and what do they say too because we also talked with with zach about verbal and nonverbal sort of yeah. uh sort of instances so we talked a lot about you know like statements of uh relative hand strength which can be you know big kind of giveaways um so that there there are some sort of classic verbal tells which we talked about which uh we're, we're also really good yeah one we can give away here on the podcast i think is uh when players um elect to remove strong hands from their range that tends to be a signal of strength so if if someone says oh well you know well i i don't have the full house um typically that means they've got the set or you know something quads. else that's quads, quads yeah right. exactly yeah. exactly yeah. right and and very very naturally you can see why because it 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 encourages the other person to think yeah. maybe they don't have the strongest hand and that that's just not an action that most people take right. when they're bluffing because when they're bluffing they want to have as much fold equity as possible so they just don't now so but you could see how someone playing with zach on a different level might you know now start introducing those false tells which we also talked a little bit about yeah. and mm -hmm. uh, we, had, we had a good conversation about that too um and we did come across a few spots where especially recreational players can use false tells against oh, yeah. uh more more knowledgeable players who think that they're operating at a higher level so i i picked up some notes i don't know if zach's a listener but i i did pick up some notes in case i ever sit across the table from him. i'm looking forward my, to my favorite some false stuff. tell maybe it's not a tell my favorite one is when i fought the flush i was in that facing action i always look back to see if i have a diamond you know i got them both you know let's see if i got it well i'll, I'll call let's let's see this let's see one let's see one <laughs> So yeah, yeah, I know, I don't know, Christy, I know this if you want to talk about probably, but I, I'm kind of curious, like what you guys learned uh, about your own game a little bit, or maybe what would change in your game as a result of hearing, you know, as a, as a result of watching other people and hearing what Zach had to say, and then thinking about your own game and how do you prevent tells or introduce false tells? So what did you learn that maybe you'll try to implement in your game? I mean, I, I think the biggest thing to be when you're playing with really elite level players is to try to make your behaviors consistent particularly the timing in which you make mm. decisions um i think the for online it's the only tell you can find and and in person it's one of the the sort of like the the most classic tells is you know quick decisions versus long decisions versus sort of medium decisions if you can if you've got an immediate decision you know exactly this is an easy spot I always call here, you know, you get a, you've got top pair, no kicker. I'm always calling this. I'm never raising. I'm never folding those kinds of spots. Don't make them that quickly. You know, mm. give your count, mm -hmm. you know, look count to seven in your head or something, you know, don't stall forever. But, um, because if you do, those are the kind of things I think that mm. I am going to be trying to look for, for sure. Yeah. And a Andrew Brokus on the thinking poker podcast, uh, talks about how when you're hand ranging, you're not trying to put someone on one hand and, you know, you're trying to put them on a range of hands, but even more than that, if you can put them in one of these three buckets, then you're going to be easier off. Either they have a monster, they have a marginal hand, or they have a draw or error. If you start thinking about hand ranging, hand ranging opponents in those three ways, then when they do have an easy decision, as Chris says here, it's not it's not enough to tell you what hand they have, but
but you can almost tell what kind of hand they don't have. And if you can eliminate one of those three buckets, if you can say, oh, okay, well, they either have a marginal holding or a monster, you don't make the play on them that's going to try and get them to fold their error or their draw, right? If you know that they either have a monster or error or a draw, then, you know, you can do something with a very small size that you wouldn't necessarily want to do otherwise. So um, it's not all about saying what hands they do have as much as saying, you know, being able to make their range more predictable, eliminating sections of hands. Mm -hmm. um, that's really helpful too. Mm -hmm. John, Rob, did you guys pick up anything about your game? Oh, my game's pretty much perfect. So These guys oh, solved. <laughs> well, I wasn't no. going to, before I asked that question, I was going to ask you, how do you do it? But no, finish. <laughs> well, I, actually, the main way I do it is just, I have no actual movement. I make sure that my mouth doesn't even move when I talk. There you got the picture. <laughs> That's ventriloquist so John. Yeah. That's me, <laughs> No, I mean, I think there's a lot to be gone gotten there and i need to start trying to look at some of the things and tie them together a little more and going back to the uh, level of effort or mental energy uh statement from before i think it's like anything you know if you ask a third grader what's three times four they have to expend quite a bit of mental energy to figure mm -hmm. that I feel out. Attacked. I feel right. attacked. Right. But if I ask either one of you, you, you don't even have to hardly think of it, right? <laughs> so I think it's the same type of thing where <laughs> I, <laughs> I can't. Even now they're time. interrupting John. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not even the home game section. Let the man talk. <laughs> anyway, I, I think it, it, as you get more comfortable with it, it takes less and less mental energy. This may still not be the spot to start because, um, again, this goes back to the tiebreaker situation. But if you don't know what your options should be or what you're mm -hmm. even considering, then a tail isn't necessarily going to help. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's good. Now, Rob, were you part of that conversation? I'm curious if you're connected. I know you're having some connection issues. If you were, uh, did you pick up anything that you're going to try to apply, apply to your game at all? Uh, yeah, I think the we talked about the speed in which you're you're performing your actions, and when I know what I'm going to do, I'm really quick at it. But at the same time, that gives off a an indication that I didn't have anything to think about. Mm -hmm. So, like Jim was talking about those three types of hands, well, they can take one of those hands out of my range if I'm doing that, even though I might have one of those hands and i'm waiting for another action and i know what exactly what my response is going to be based on their action mm -hmm. i still need to step back because i'm i i play way too fast mm. and I, I play mostly online and that's a problem for me too honestly and i think uh you i do use timing tells when i'm playing against regular players online um and i think it's a, a bad habit of mine to kind of already make up my mind what I'm going to do when the action comes around to me. And then just, you know, I, I'm not one of those pre clickers. I don't like to do that. I don't like to pre select to fold or check or whatever. Um, but I do, you know, generally have the bet size lined up. I know what I want to do and I just go and do it. Um, but more than once, I won't say how many times, but more than once I've said to myself, Oh, why didn't I just take five seconds? Why didn't I just take five seconds and let the, use five seconds of time bank and um 
maybe I'll catch something about sizing or maybe there's someone else sitting down at the table or even online. I do think it's, uh, I do think it's valuable and just nothing wrong with taking five. I don't think anyone's going to complain if you take five seconds on a, on a pre-flop decision. I don't think anyone wants everyone taking 30 seconds to stall so that like, you know, you're unexploitable and even the tough decisions and the easy decisions, but take, take five seconds. And uh, I think that's, that's a good one. So I know we've got to, we're going to kind of wrap up the part of the discussion here, but there's been some really good chat. So if you're a member, join the chat because uh, you're missing out on some of that stuff there. But uh, I'll just I'll just raise the question for you guys, wondering if this was brought up in the seminar, uh, the use of a, a card protector at all was that a discussion? It didn't we come didn't, up. Yeah, there you are. We didn't really talk about it specifically. I know there's been a lot of conversation in the poker world. I know. I think it's. Jonathan Little, right? Who's yeah. really against them. Yes. Um, and, you know, I think like any of these other things, like if you've got your, you know, your whatever, I don't know what it is. I don't have one, but I, you know, if you've got your, your little vic- Blarney stone. victory <laughs> python or your Blarney stone or whatever, and you want to bring that to the table, I, you know, I say go for it, but you really want to be cognizant of what that you're just doing with what you're doing with that, that it's always the same. Yes. Um, because if okay. so, it's one more thing to keep track of. So it's one more thing that you potentially could be inconsistent with. If, Rob, if you're using a card protector, you should always wait to see, look at your hand until it's your turn. Because whether you put the card protector on or not is going to be a big tell as to whether you're going to play the hand or not. If you've already looked at your cards. See, I'm the, I'm the other way. See, I like so I like I to look at my hand right away. Use a card protector. Sorry, Rob. Yeah, I like to look yep. at my hand right away, but <laughs> oh, I. That, but I do try to do that and then put the chip on right away. So either way, it's hopefully consistent. But yeah, I think there's an opportunity. Right. To be- but if you're gonna if if you're gonna fold, you put the chip on. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I look and then I just put the chip on and okay. then wait and then try to see. Take I I put the chip on before I look at my cards, so it's on my cards. I'm yep. holding the chip instead of holding the cards down when I flip up the corners. So then when I let go, it's already protected. And it's impossible for me to give a tell because I'm lo- doing that whether I'm planning on folding yeah. or calling. Yeah, a lot of the live play that I've enjoyed has been cash. And so for me, um, I, I do have a little Steelers deckle um, oh, yeah, that, <laughs> that some friends got for me uh, several years ago that I use. Um, but also, uh, I, I've also just used the amount of chips that I plan to tip the dealer when I win the hand. And what's nice about that is that you just, it, I mean, A, you should always protect your hand. So whether you're using a card protector or a chip or just keeping your action tight, like well, you, it's on. It's your obligation to protect your hand from getting accidentally mucked or screwed up by someone else throwing the cards across the table. That's on you. So um, I always like to. I don't give up my cards until uh, the pot's been shoved towards me, and then I slide them over towards the dealer, and the tips already there, taken care of. So um, that's a nice feature as well if you're playing cash games. Well, good, guys. I know there's a lot more we could talk about, but that hopefully gives a tease and good good stuff. Anything else uh, kind of burning from the, the seminar that we need to make sure people are aware of? I guess one thing, just uh, Zach's just a fount of wisdom. He just gives out so many great stuff. And I guess, uh, you know, watch the seminar for some of the details, but just a couple things like pay attention to big bets. Like that's where a lot of these tells are going to come up. And, you know, it's not something that you're going to see in every, on every street, on every action, but uh, pay attention to big bets. And then if you want anything else, you're going to have to go see the seminar. That means I got to watch Rob on every single hand. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Well, good stuff, guys. As you should. Sort of a, a, yeah. What was that? I missed <laughs> that. As, As you should. should. Come on. <laughs> Rob, I've learned so much from you having discussions about bed sizing. Seriously, it's been so much fun to over the years talking bed sizing with you. Well, let's uh, let's wrap up the conversation there. Um, unless there's anything else burning that we need to talk about. Uh, good discussion, good chatter in the chat. Um, make sure you're all checking that out as well. Um, but let's, uh, do you want to do, want do you want to do the, the dice gym and then we'll get yeah. into the commercial and then we'll wrap That's up with the whole game and everything sounds, else. Going on? That sounds good. I think there's only five or six. You don't yeah, have six. So we're going to, no, not too nerdy. Just normal die. Here we go. Let's see. We got one through six roll in six. Oh, Martha back to back weeks <laughs> yeah, back for Martha. So Martha gets $50 off the free Jadden course. Martha, you can email me, jim at rec.poker, and we'll get that all taken care of. <laughs> all right. Very good. Well, let's uh, let's roll into uh, – let's hear from Jonathan Little uh, right now. Um, yep, that's I don't know what how we'll many do. times I'm going to be pointing. We'll do that right now. Here we go. He's writing down the winner because he might oh, not remember. Or three-bet instead? What do you do when you have a flush draw? Do you raise it or do you just call? What do you do with ace-king when you miss the flop? Are you tired of guessing about what the right play is with your particular hand? Well, my name is Jonathan Little, and I am a two-time World Poker Tour champion and creator of PokerCoaching.com, where we offer over a thousand interactive hand quizzes where you play a hand and then get real-time feedback from our world-class pros. Don't guess and don't stress. Just register for your free account at PokerCoaching.com slash RecPoker right now. <laughs> don't stress don't guess that was probably unfair to you you were looking down i'm trying to play well, uh, it worked out great i just want to blame and throw you under the bus a little bit there. well let's uh That's let's right. transition to uh to the man the myth the legend uh, the the whole package mr somsky what do you got for us well uh we have lots of tournament results <laughs> so um john Lutzi on january 18th got his first uh daily victory of the year MN White Tiger, who nice we do not yet have a name for, uh, got their first. I know who it is, but year. so, John, I'm sorry, I know I'm interrupting you, but let's. <laughs> well, hey, I got through the first one without interruption. Well, it's this, almost this is, like a record. I, I got through one and reason. on to the second. This is interrupting with a reason. So I know okay. who that is. I won't reveal them because maybe they want to keep it private, but let's say somebody's out there and we say, oh, we don't have, we're, you know, you haven't made your name public but they want to be wrenched on air. What should they do if Femin White Tiger says, man, I actually want my name announced. What should they do? So the, the, we honor whatever your privacy settings are on your profile. So if you want your name to be mentioned, you have to make your, your name public and your poker stars username public. If both are not public, then we just treat you as private and it won't go anywhere. It made it a little worse in that the default used to be that all of the, for new members, they were listed as private to begin with. I've changed the defaults in the system, so now new members coming in, they start off as public, and if you wanna make them private, you can. But that's what you need to do, is you just go to okay. your profile, go to your settings, make sure that your first name and last name, or if you only want first name, that's fine. Uh, but make sure your name is public and make sure your poker stars username is public. 
Okay. And conversely, if you don't want your name announced, make sure they're private. So Correct. thanks, John. I think that's, a, that's an important piece. You know, we, we, get, we made everybody get an account so that we know who your username are. We can tie that in. But now with your actual real name, it's up to you if you want that shared or not. So thank you, Correct. John. Sorry. So MN White Tiger. All right. Then we have Now Then KB, Doug Barron's got nice. his second victory for the year. Right on, Doug. Easy Breezy. Uh, one 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 one. That's Raul Bitang. So ah. Raul and his wife were sharing uh, an account that was ZGRT, something Still like not. that. Uh, yep. Anyway, now they and they were having you know marital disputes because <laughs> deciding which one of them wanted to play that given <laughs> night. So you know, and rec poker does not want to get in the way of a marriage like that. So we really suggested that they each get their own account. They're free. Now they can both play. And that is one thing to, to note that in the home games for poker stars, there isn't a restriction from people's playing with the same IP address. So it's kind of your honor system. We're uh, trusting you not to share information you shouldn't be tr be uh, sharing, but because we want friends to be able to play to each yep. other, occasionally they're going to be on the same IP, and you can do that with home games. Yep, absolutely. And I think it was very nice that Raul gave Shona the other uh, the other address so that she has all the records of all the wins that they've accumulated <laughs> collectively. Yes. So Raul's yeah. got it like it's his first win. <laughs> so. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, you know, if I, if I had to guess, that's the way it should be. I mean, the <laughs> probably, it was, probably the way it was, yeah. too, honestly. I, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Next, uh, we have Gopher Boy, TJM, uh, Taylor who? Moss. Who? He, he really lucked out because he won <laughs> the bulk of his hand, his chips, with one of the worst hands in poker. Five, uh -oh. five. Oh, man. So, yeah, I heard, the, the rumor is that he tripled up. <laughs> yeah. With a set of fives. So oh. let it be known that even the great Taylor Moss, who makes fun of this hand all the time, wins most of his tournaments when he plays the hand correctly. And <laughs> was, that, was that the night that you and I were texting Chris when it happened? Uh, I don't know, but yeah, I, I, I heard uh, through the grapevine. Yeah. Because uh, I told him I was going to tell you that. Well, I must have never never played that hand correctly because I don't believe I have ever tripled up. <laughs> That's what you're doing wrong, John. I'd advise yeah. tripling up more often when yeah. you have pocket fives. Okay. Pro move. Pro move. That one's free. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> nice John. Yeah, I, I just never get interrupted when we do these things. Um, Stewie 13, hey, who's also private, got his second uh, daily victory of the year. I got and, a good feeling his name's Stewie, though. Yeah. <laughs> Eric Molina, Rob Brereton, got his first daily mixed tournament of the year. And it's been a while. I mean, Rob was really making a splash last year, but I think towards the end of the year, he stopped playing as frequently. So it's nice to have him back, and he's a strong competitor. Yeah, he beat me heads up. I was not very happy. <laughs> I didn't want him back. Uh, then we have East Code... Bitter Ben, hey, ben. Got his second international series or international game of the daily series for the year. <laughs> and Rec Poker Steve, Steve Fredlin, got his first international <laughs> victory for the year. Done. And last but not least, Graphic 16 Roger Shoot got Roger. his first victory for the year. 
You know, and Roger Shoot sort of is one of those names that that live. He'll he'll forever be linked to the Rec Boker home games. He is our first ever silver pin winner uh, from Maine. Uh, so Roger's yeah. kind of always there. He's got a piece of my heart just because he's got the first silver pin. Every time John says his name, I want to say, Roger got the first silver pin. In Rec <laughs> Boker. Am, it's like it's stuck in my mind every single yeah, time. Yeah. It's amazing. Good for you, Roger. Yeah, I, I do that. I, I think that same thing to my br- brain. And then I, I under my breath say, why haven't I won yet? <laughs> <laughs> Where's my silver? Yeah, pin? exactly. <laughs> same way. <laughs> you well, need to run a few more of those asterisk tournaments, uh, John. They've yeah. been very popular with yeah. the uh, podcast you, you win all the panel. asterisk ones, Jim. <laughs> well, John, I'll, I'll give you some feedback, too, from people that I've gotten, too. They, they love the Saturday practice ones. I know it's another mm-hmm. work to set up with a mixed game, uh, me included. But uh, I know playing those games once a year that we never, ever play for some of us is rough. So now to have that mm-hmm. Saturday night practice one leading up to it. Uh, that I could tell when I did the five card draw, I didn't, you know, didn't win it or anything, but I could tell that boy, just having played that a couple times at least helped me. And same thing with the deuce to seven. So thanks for setting those up. And I think if you're if you're trying to get into mixed games, which I've been reluctant to do, but now I'm like, hey, it's pretty fun, you know. Um, that's a great that's a great way to practice for that Wednesday, second Wednesday series. If you go to a card room and you find a mixed game being played. That's usually the table where the people will be having the most fun. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. And I, that's and what I'm that's what I'm looking for too. I'm looking for any table of playing cards anywhere <laughs> where I feel safe. But second secondarily, uh, I would like to have fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I see that at, at, I know people playing Omaha and stuff. Maybe that's because they're all playing three thousand dollar pots, but <laughs> I was gonna say they're splashing around a lot more money yeah, in those that's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Bring yeah. your money bags for those. <laughs> I'd, I'd be laughing so too if I could play three thousand dollar pots right <laughs> if I could just do it, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean for a while in Bobby's room, the mixed games there they were playing one thousand, two thousand limit. Come on. You know, so oh. I mean a a big blind. Right. It was two thousand dollars. Come on. I mean, now I think they're they're smaller than that, but they're still playing like one hundred, two hundred, or something. That's like one orbit is a car for me. <laughs> 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 like what I spent on a car, like three grand. Yeah. Oh man, I'm just thinking about my car. I think I'd get change back after that orbit. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Ben, Ben in the chat says, "Can yeah. you imagine the straddle?" And for a lot of them, they they cap the the no limiter. So if they have no limit or pot limit in the mix, they'll cap the losses for that, but they cap it at like a hundred thousand. Oh my god! So that's insane. I can't even. <laughs> I can't even <laughs> compute. Yep. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd, I'd love to be in a situation to be able to play it. Yeah. I don't know if I could get stake. You want to get staked for that I, one, Steve? <laughs> I just want to be have the money. To I, be able I to never do entered the lottery, but I tried to win this billion dollar one, and that does you know, if I won the billion dollar lottery, then I might have. Yeah. I, I didn't, by the way. Just uh, you didn't? oh, you didn't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Would have heard about that. Then one. I go play for like an hour until yeah. <laughs> well, John, anything else in the home game stuff, man? Great stuff as always. Anything else that we should know about? No, uh, just keep on playing, keep having fun. If you have any suggestions, let me know. Awesome. I love it. Chris, was there, one, get some. What, Chris was there one thing about the home games that you were excited about earlier oh. that you wanted to talk about? Yeah. I, we should I, have announced there was an announcement. Yeah. I mean, well, I think we, we teased this kind of at the beginning of the year, but I think we've got a really more formal idea now what's happening. So uh, we are affectionately calling this Ma Rec Madness uh, in favor <laughs> of March Madness. 
Um, and we have uh, an eight person uh, made up of all the core team uh, heads up uh, tournament that uh, we've got all the matchups set. It's going to be bracket style. Uh, Taylor Moss is leading this effort um, and it's going to be great. It's going to be great. So my first matchup, uh, I'm playing Chad McVean. Um, and then John and Rob are going to be playing each other, and then we'll we'll match up the winner of um, me and Chad and John and Rob will match up in the semifinals. And then the other bracket, we have Taylor uh, matching up against Jim, uh, and then Andrew matching up against Steve. It's um, going to be so fun. Yeah, it's oh, going to be man. so great. And so then that'll be coming talk a little bit about. And- and yeah. we're going to record all the tables. We're going to have live uh, commentary. We're going to talk them through. So the whole community can kind of get behind this, watch what's going on. We can talk through, you know, decisions that are getting made. We can get a little focus on heads up play as well, which is a very different game, but it's really, really important. Uh, mm-hmm. So um, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be great. So, uh, and when is this, that we're going to be doing this uh, throughout March, the Thursdays in March, there'll be, uh, matches being uh, played. So, and so I yeah, think we're, we're going we're gonna to play the matches, and then the commentary will come in after. Is that correct, or is it going to be live? Or because I don't think there's going to be a chance for people to watch it live, right? Yeah, I'm not sure in terms of the, that format. What okay you know, when that's going to happen? Whether the commentary is going to be live or not? But yeah, okay. it'll be it'll be all during our normal Twitch broadcast uh, segments. We should do. Are we filling up brackets? The Drabeck's like. Let's fill in a bracket. I think, I think, I think, I think we're getting a bracket made. Is this, uh, uh, I, so, I don't want to, I don't want to say something that's not true. But the, I think, well, we should. We're, no, Taylor can do a bracket. He's got nothing else going on in his life. He's got just little kids. Well, He's fine. I, he I think he, he might have a connection maybe oh. that is going to make a, like a professionally made, really cool looking bracket. Oh. Here, uh, you know what we should do is we Somebody should, you know how, they give you like a million dollars if you fill out the perfect, <laughs> perfect. Oh, this bracket. Yeah. I don't think we can do that. And with only eight players, it's not as, you know, no, statistically impossible. But maybe we could have a drawing for something like a bronze pin. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, everyone who gets a perfect bracket goes into the drawing. And, you know, it, now, the pins are not mine to give away, so I'm giving away Steve's money here. <laughs> so well, he I want to give away a hat, but Jim's too cheap. <laughs> you know, that's correct. That's correct. <laughs> uh, it'd be fun. I think. No, I think. I think the bracket would be super fun. And yeah, I think uh, Taylor has a connection to the person that did our logo, so there's a there's there's maybe something there. I think the yeah, bracket. That's would be that's super what fun. I heard. The rumor is that that might yeah. be happening. We might yeah. have a really cool looking one. And, and I think, and this I think... Is, in a sense, it's sort of a test run too. We're going to try it. See how it goes. And doing these heads up things because I know like we're seeing in the chat here, when's it my turn? When's it my turn? When's it my turn? I want to play. I want to play. Uh, it's sort of a test run to see how this goes. And then maybe we start to, you know, maybe we do another bit, a little bit bigger bracket and just kind of see, see the logistics of all of this, because there's a lot of work And John, of course, Hey John, how about, how about we do some more tournaments? And so we'll see if we do it in John's club or different club or whatever. So we have to kind of work out a few things because you've got to, you know, suspend people. And I don't know, there's just, there's logistics to work out. So we're going to try that first and no, Doug, we're not going to do any, anything with money at all. Uh, even if it goes to charity, uh, we are just very, uh, we're very shying away from any, any money that's involved in any sort of tournament. Uh, so that, that sort of thing, but we just do it for fun. 
And uh, yeah, I'll take Steve. Yeah, don't don't take Steve in this thing. Okay, I'm the bracket buster. If John's gonna give away a million dollars, Andrew's gonna be the pick in 98 of the bracket. And so I'm gonna be the bracket buster. I'm gonna be the yeah. There you go. There you go. That's what's happening. I would be. I think originally we we're gonna have people vote on seeding this thing, but then we were worried that people might feel bad, and I wouldn't have felt bad at all being the eight seed. But uh, just I told everyone I wanted the five seed, but nobody really honored my wishes. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> but the the idea is to. The idea is to build on this for next year and to make yeah. it, to open it up to membership and we can we can actually have a little more time to plan it out and uh, see how it goes. So, uh, yeah. but Dad, do tune in. It's going to be fun. Marek Marek Madness. Marek Madness. <laughs> Marek rolls Madness. off the tongue. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So that that'll be fun. That'll be super fun. Good luck, everybody, in your first round matchups. I think Andrew and I are going to try to play this week. Uh, nice. I think so. Uh, we'll work out the details on that thing. Good. Anything else with home games then? John, what's the what's the mixed game coming up? It's Deuce to Seven in uh, February. Yep. Deuce to Seven Triple Draw, All and right. that will be on February tenth. All right. That's actually uh, or Deuce to Seven. It's No Limit Deuce to Seven Single Draw. Sorry, uh, and that's one of my favorite favorite mixed games. Okay, I, I'm starting to enjoy. It. Yeah, it is fun. It takes a while to get used to. I've now learned that Ace is high uh, the hard way. <laughs> yeah, I help. think it was uh, Doyle Brunson who said that that's the most pure game of poker. Hmm. Okay. Because it's one where you have no shared information. I mean, the only right. information you get is bet sizing and the number of cards that are, that are drawn. So you don't get to see anyone's mm. shared cards. And because it is possible, it's more possible to get the absolute nuts. I mean, how many times do you get a royal f- flush if yeah. you're playing normal five card draw? Hardly at all. Whereas you can get a deuce, f- deuce to seven nuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not uncommon for that to happen once, maybe twice in a night. Yeah. So it's, it really puts a lot of pressure on because you could have just a fantastic hand Mm -hmm. and sometimes you'll just get barely get pipped. Like you're, you have a a seven, six, five that loses to a seven, six, four. So gross. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, super fun. Super fun. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, what else we got? So we want to talk with seminars, Chris, what's coming up, uh, uh, well, yeah, so we just did the, we just kind of talked through the, the reads yep. and tells one and, uh, the next one I'm, I'm so excited for, it should be releasing fairly soon, um, is all about flop texture, which I think is, uh, you know, it, it is the thing, the thing to like, once you get past sort of the, the kind of getting your ranges down, your, your raise first in your three betting, your pre-flop game, I just feel like flop texture and reading flops and playing based on what the flop is sort of giving you sort of permission to do who has the advantage who doesn't uh i think it's 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 really the name of this game um and so uh, i'm really excited for it and i think it'll be a really good conversation flop texture is life (laughs) (laughs) here's your t-shirt yeah well good stuff how about rob anything book club i know we're kind of on hiatus but anything to report out of there well, by the time this comes out, you should be able to um, listen to or watch the session six where we talked with uh, Chris Wallace, and we had had a very nice conversation. It lasted for over an hour. A bunch of the members were there. We got a lot of Q and A going on, so it was very, very uh, it was a very good conversation. I encourage everybody that has access to the premium members to go check that out. Awesome. And now I know there were, we were kind of had a few books that were up in the air. You were doing some voting. Is there anything 
happening? Do we know the next book yet after Fareed, or is that still uh, being voted on? And no, I think, I think what we'll do is uh, in February, we'll start a series of polls to break it down. Okay. Maybe we'll do a bracket of the books <laughs> and you know, have a, I love it. Have this book against this book and go back until we get to the winner. Something like that, maybe. Nice. I love That's that. Fun. All right. Well, anybody else have anything else to report? I just see that we actually have Stewie 13 here in the chat today. And I don't think there's any uh, uh, coincidence that Stewie joined our Saturday morning study group uh, for the first time last week. And now we're already talking about him uh, reporting on these winning tournaments. I think he also has like eight seconds places, I think is what I heard over the course of the last little while. Good God. Uh, Stewie, uh, thanks for joining us. I'm looking forward to getting you in there next week again. And congrats on the win. Nice. All right, guys. Well, you know the drill. Go to go to rec.poker. Check out everything there. If you're not on the Twerp newsletter, sign up for it there. Uh, we send out information every week on what's going on. It's a great way to stay plugged in. I uh, also want to thank our sponsors, uh, Running Aces Casino, Racetrack, and Hotel. And also, uh, man, Chris Jones, thank you so much for all the work you do on the seminar. Great discussion. Great stuff last month. Thanks to our panel, uh, John, Rob, Jim, Chris, uh, everybody. And uh, thanks for joining the chat. And we'll catch you next time.